The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Wednesday, March 9, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you watch it on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. Hey, YouTube. Heads up. This episode is going to be slightly different uh, than most, but, but in a good way. Jerry Palm, the great Jerry Palm, is going to join us in 15 minutes. So if you got uh, bubble questions... Put them in the comments. I'll likely ignore them and just talk to Jerry Palm like I don't even see him. But if you got bubble questions, put them in the comments. They told me that's what you're supposed to say. Jerry Palm will be here in 15 minutes. In the meantime, since we last talked, Gonzaga has secured the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. We think uh, they beat St. Mary's on Tuesday night. Chattanooga has made the NCAA tournament in spectacular fashion. Georgia State has made the NCAA tournament. Wright State has made the NCAA tournament. Peter Kiss? <laughs> uh, uh, we got to get out of here quick today, GP, but on the back end of this after Palm, we got to spend at least two minutes on Bryant and Peter Kiss. Keep going. Peter Kiss is amazing. <laughs> Bryant's in the NCAA tournament. Jameer Nelson Jr. in Delaware have made the NCAA tournament. And my South Dakota Jackrabbits are in the NCAA tournament. It's been a fun couple of days, hasn't it, Deadleg? You just called them the South Dakota Jackrabbits. The South Dakota State, Jack- South right Dakota State Jackrabbits. Oh, go. no. I'm going to yeah. get banned from Brookings. You might, you might get banned. Hey, real quick on that. Hmm. So I did, I did HQ last night overnight, and then I go back down. Scott Van Pelt show accidentally accidentally showed the San Diego State logo and apparently three years ago and the South Dakota State fans got on him so he had to interrupt his show for like four minutes and was doing all this stuff to apologize so I'm just staying on you South Dakota State South Dakota State Jack Rabbits Jack Rabbits South Dakota State Jack Rabbits have advanced to the NCAA tournament the Ukraine Jack Rabbits remain in a war there we go. Yes, they yes, uh, yes, they very much do. Um, yeah, how about uh, listen, Gonzaga? We'll 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 touch on the Gonzaga because I'm gonna ask you, you mentioned number one overall seed. Um, I'm gonna ask Palm about that as well. I have to at least acknowledge the phenomenal ending between Chattanooga and Furman. Furman has finished in the top three of the SOCON seven consecutive seasons. It's made championship games. It hasn't danced since 1980. 
and it hits a layup with four and change to go, 4.3 seconds to go. And then, <laughs> I mean, perish. This is why we love this month. Now, Chattanooga has been a really good team for most of the season. It was the best team in the SoCon. So, you know, on balance on the whole, it deserves to be dancing there. But my, oh, my, oh, my, my man. What an absolute shot. David Jean-Baptiste, an all-timer. And by the way, I guess he's a fifth-year senior. It just It's just incredible. We've actually had a lot of really good mid-major championship games uh, since we started this whole deal on Saturday night with Murray State beating Moorhead State. You know, we're approaching a dozen bids, uh, automatic bids that have been handed out. We have one more on Wednesday night. And, oh, by the way, Navy will play Colgate in a one-versus-two Patriot League matchup on CBS Sports Network. I actually wish that these leagues could figure this out better. There's one automatic bid tonight. And, like, the big conference tournaments are starting, and they're they're – they're fine. We got a couple of teams that we're going to talk about that are in bubble spots here playing Wednesday. There are 15 automatic bids you can hand out on Saturday. This like, why not just spread it out? I totally get it. Thursday and Friday, you have so many really good big conference games. If there's no auto, auto bids on Thursday and Friday, GP, I'm totally good with that. But can we squeeze in like two more on a Wednesday night? To at least Because you just have this cram and I don't know. I feel like if you're a mid-major conference, you get a little bit, just a little bit more lost in the shuffle on a Saturday than you would if you were, say, playing your championship game tonight. But otherwise, it's been it's been phenomenal. And congrats to Chattanooga for Furman. That's completely heartbreaking. Just soul-eviscerating stuff to lose the way you lost because that three-pointer was like a 15% bad best kind of shot that Jean-Paptiste hit. And uh, we will see Lamont Paris's mocks in the tourney next week. I, I bet you it's less than 15%. It might be because the way that they brought that up again, no timeout. Amazing. The whole, that's why the don't advance the ball on a timeout is amazing. In college basketball for exact plays like that. Um, I'm with you on these one bid leagues. They should be if possible on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, because by the time we get to Thursday, we are engulfed in power conference stuff. Right. You know, there's uh, there's bubble games in the quarterfinals of uh, some power conference tournament. And you get lo- – once we get to Thursday, we're not paying attention to this stuff anymore. But on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, these things – these one-bid leagues are amazing. And they get all – they get more attention. How many people know Peter Kiss today that didn't know Peter Kiss yesterday? It's literally in the hundreds of thousands, <laughs> if not more, because of what happened there. Because of what happened – I mean – do you want to just push off the Gonzaga stuff and talk mid-major till we get Palman here? Because I'm, you know, I'm game. Yeah. What What is there to say about Gonzaga? Like they're, they're awesome, awesome again. Okay. They're awesome ask- again. They're the number one overall seed, and they're the betting favorite to win the national. But I do want to ask Palm when he comes on if if Baylor wins the Big Twelve tournament with more quads, could it possibly, maybe, be the number one overall seed? I'm not convinced Gonzaga absolutely 100 has it. We'll ask Palm that in a few minutes. Here, you're right about Bryant. Uh, I want to talk about Brian. Talk about Bellarmine. Okay, first of all, Peter Kiss. Yes, I, he's he's your exact kind of player. He's the nation's leading scorer and has been. <laughs> His name is Peter Kiss. D- dude is, <laughs> dude makes Kirk Creesa look like a humble choir boy. Okay, he cannot get enough of of himself. Peter Kiss <laughs> loves him some Peter Kiss. And yes, I know Bryant might go to Dayton for the first four. I get all that might happen, which would be awesome, by the way. Which would be awesome. Like they put him on that stage. Yes, but. If that happens, please, you have to feed him into Bill Raftery's call if they make the first round earnestly and proper. You know, Peter Kiss, 
with a kiss. You have to have Raftery on the call. This needs to be done. Okay. I don't think I don't think Raft's working the first four. No, but I'm saying if Bryant wins as a 16, whatever one 16 game Raft might be calling, let's have him on it. How can you not? I think think you're gonna have to talk to Raph about that. Dude, and then okay, in all seriousness, so they kind of got lucky that it wasn't worse with that fight situation. You had this throng of Bryant fans who, by the way, like you're hyped up. I get it. I've been to NEC title games plenty of times. Again, the NEC does it right. The higher seed always hosts every tournament game. That and that gives you the best odds, the best chances of sending your best team to the tournament, which you should want if you're a mid-major league. So I love the way the NEC does it. And those home court environments, they're just incredible. I've been to them. I've been to them at Wagner. I've been to them at, uh, at LIU Brooklyn. They're incredible. But Bryant fans were out like harassing the Wagner players as they got off the bus to go into the gym, like to the point where it was, it was, it was overboard. They were way too fired up. And then you have this small Wagner support section that is right up against the Bryant students. They're going to have to rethink that whole thing. And then they kick all the Wagner fans out. And, and I don't know how many Bryant, if any got kicked out, it just, you know, it could have been real ugly. It was just ugly, and they had to delay it for 30. I didn't even know if they were going to continue the game. And credit to Bashir Mason, who's been there for 10 years. If he had decided, I'm not putting my players back in this situation, I would have completely understood. But credit to the players at Wagner and Bashir Mason for, you know, finishing out finishing out the game, getting it done, and then Bryant gets its first tournament bid in its history under Jerry Grosso and in its history period. We got to put Peter Kiss in the first four. Okay. You want him on that stage. It's the same thing as everything else. You put him on Thursday, Friday, he he just gets lost in a 25-point defeat. Put him in the first four, everybody's watching because there's nothing else to watch. Great. Well, the 16s are rarely ever like you got to see him. Peter Kiss is the exception to the rule. Dude was wearing a Kiss shirt, as in the band, in his warm-ups before the game. Dude, Jared had to calm him down, had to tell him to stop. I know he did. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. He's, he's, uh, the last time we saw something like this is Marshall Henderson, basically. That's the vibe I got. Agreed? Yeah, that's who he is. Yeah. Minus, like, you know, prison. Minus prison? Yeah. I don't think he's ever been to prison. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but just in terms of on-court demeanor overall. But um, I hope the NEC doesn't change its tournament format. I don't think it will, but, you know, they brought all the chairs out onto the floor. They had to get all these people out of there. They had, like, 12 police officers. Well, you just got to be smarter about it. You can't put put visiting fans next to the student section. No. You you just figure it's just like it's a a little bit like your bathroom in Durham. Poorly designed. It was. And the thing is, with these small gyms, though, and th- man, that was a wall of Bryant fans. And they're, and listen, they're liquored up, they're geared up, they're hyped up. I get all that. Um, it wasn't a great night for the NEC, which normally has a really, really nice conference tournament. And again, I prefer the format the NEC goes with. If you're the higher seeded team, you host the, uh, the league uh, tournament game no matter the round you're in. And so there we are. But I'm with you on Peter Kiss, man. He leads the country in scoring, he showed up ready for that game. And he dominated and he helped Bryant, which uh, Bryant, by the way, has only been in Division One, I, I think since I'm checking it right now, I think since 08. Yeah, since 08, 09. And 
They beat Wagner. I think they're going to be a 16 seed. Peter Kiss goes for 34 points. He showed up in a major way. We got a couple minutes before Palm comes in real quick. Bellerman wins in the A Sun. It can't go. And I've heard I've heard and seen everyone say, so now Jacksonville State, which was the regular season champion, is going to go. Why is this a rule? Why is this a rule? I might be on an island here. I, I, I think that the team should be able to play in their conference tournaments, but I got no issue with them not going to the NCAA because the, one of the major reasons this rule is in place, wouldn't you agree? There's too many teams in Division One, Parish. Too many yeah. teams, right? Sure. Well, then, like, like, let's wipe them out. I'm ready to wipe out to 200 of them. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ready to. I'm it's not ready it's to, outrageous. I'm not ready to Thanos half of all the Division One. I am. I know you are. I would say it's 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 too bloated by about 80 to 100 schools. But I got I got you. I got you. 200. But, but the point is, one of the major reasons this rule is in place is to prevent a flood of 400 plus Division One schools because you have to meet certain criterions. And one of, and one of the reasons that they say, okay, if you really want to do this, are you willing to go? It used to be five years. Now it's four years of ineligibility in the postseason because they don't want all of these schools trying to jump from D3 to D2 to D1. That's a big reason why it's in place. So I don't have an issue with it. D1's already too big. We have like two more teams coming to D1 next season. Um, we don't need any more. So I get it. Bellarmine's awesome. It'd be great if they had their moment. But I'm fine with them playing in the conference tournament and really the way the ASUN did it. Reward your best regular season team if Bellerman, the ineligible team, winds up winning it. So that's a big reason why. I get why you might be like, just let them in. But it's in place so we don't have 437 Division I teams. That's a major reason why that rule's in place. I guess at this point I would say, what? who cares? Like We have 358 now. Who cares if it goes to 430? Like, what is the I, I, difference between, that's, that's, practically speaking, what is the difference between 358 and 430? It might have downstream effects. I don't know. That's a lot of teams. That's, that's a quad five games we're getting to that point. <laughs> like, 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 you're the only person who would be affected by it because you got to rank all these idiot teams uh, every preseason. Oh, 100%. This, this directly affects The me. reason you're against it is because you're against it. But, like, for, for me, here's the truth. Until the past two days, I don't even look at those teams. Like, like why, why? So if we go to four, like the fear is, what if you look up one day and you got 400? Who cares? I'm only paying attention to 26 anyway. I, I watch 26 teams. And Peter Kiss, that's all I do. And Jameer Nelson Jr. So happy for Jameer. Did you see, did you see any of that? Like, what an awesome father-son moment that was. It was amazing. I texted Jameer last night, senior, because, um, you know, he worked with us at CBS Sports Network. By the way, awesome guy, like uh, uh, college basketball icon, great NBA player, awesome guy, just terrific first-class top-shelf guy. And for him to have that moment with his son, because we used to sit and watch his son's games in studio, and, like, you could see how invested he was in it. And just to watch him as a father experienced that moment last night was really, really cool. Happy for him. Jerry Paul. I hope he's here waiting. I have no idea, <laughs> but, but we'll, we'll see in a second. But first a word from our sponsors. Roll it. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> You're all in danger. So what's our next move? Talk to an expert. There's certain rules to surviving. George's motive is always connected to the past. Sid, do you have a gun? I'm Sidney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. 
I'll be right back. <laughs> He's dead. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's Gary Palm. There he is. There I am. <laughs> okay. You kind of appeared like out of a like out of a horror movie. The way you just chopped right in, it's like, oh, he's right there. Okay. <laughs> so, so I have that, that effect on people. Hey, before we get especially to the, at home, before we get to the bubble stuff, is that like a new screen coming out? I a have no screen. idea. You mean is where it, I am? No, no. no like, 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 oh, I, do oh, we God, have a new, do we have a new screen movie coming out? Oh, is that screen. something that's happening? I thought you said screen. No you screen. Mean, I I don't know. I didn't see. I saw the first one and figured the others weren't going to be worth it. So <laughs> I think that's probably a, a safe assessment. Are they up to the Friday the 13th number yet? I, I, don't know. I don't know what's happening. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on with screen. I'm going to look all that up on my flight today. Jerry Pong. Okay, first things first. Which fan base do you hate the most right oh, now? Here we go. Which one do I hate the most? Yeah, it, right now. Like, because it, hates. I'm not a – Because they're driving I'm, I'm an equal crazy. opportunity hater. I hate all of them, which I, one including is, my own. Which one is driving you the most crazy right now? Every time you update your bracket, they're in your mentions and they make you go, God, I hate this team. North Carolina. Fans. No, I don't hate the team. <laughs> I, I don't hate the team and I don't even hate the fans, uh, but they're the ones after me the most. Uh, still, North Carolina, even after they beat Duke, it's it's still, yeah, they're not happy. Rutgers uh, a little bit too still, but um, North Carolina is le- leading at the moment. It What's varies from, you know, day to day, week to week. What's their gripe? They think they think they have six quadrant one wins instead of just two. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of we're a blue blood, and well, you know, for and in their defense, if you have the kind of season that they've had in the ACC with the record that they have in the in the league, especially, you're way up the bracket. So it's kind of a shock to the whole league system that you've got one good team. And that everybody else is at best mediocre. And, you know, that's so they're not used to, you know, we're the second place team in the ACC or we're the third place team in the ACC. How can we not be way up in the bracket? Well, because it's Duke and the 14 Dwarfs. I mean, it's just a math. I I can't even think of a league, a major conference where the gap between number one and everyone else has ever been this big. I mean, like the Pac-12 has got a, a similar gap, but it's three teams to the rest of the league. This is just one, one team to the whole rest of the league. And it actually hurts Duke because I don't think Duke could be a number one seed because how do they resume build in their own league? They can't, you know, they beat Gonzaga and that's great, of course. And they beat Kentucky outside the league, but who are they beating in the league? Nobody, but they've taken, you know, three so-so to bad losses or actually, yeah, three. So 
you know, what do you do? Or it's four actually. So it, yeah, what, how do they resume build? How does Duke resume build? So I don't know. I don't think Duke can be a one, even though they could win the national championship. I mean, they're good enough to do that, but um, I, it's just been, I don't know. Every, everybody I've ever talked to about this, this, this year, no matter how old they are, says this is the worst ACC they've ever seen. Wouldn't you agree? It's, it's, I mean, it's just as uninspiring as it's ever been, in my opinion, um, for sure. All right. Let me the, ask the, you. The, the, only, the, the only thing I heard there is North Carolina is a dwarf. <laughs> I mean. This year. This year. Oh, let's, all right, let's, well, let's get that into a pull, pull quote. Two, <laughs> two things. Okay. Uh, since we're on ACC, real quick on this. Um, rapid fire, rapid fire. Notre Dame in no matter what, yes or no? Yeah, I think Notre Dame's in. North Carolina in no matter what, yes or no? I I would say it would behoove North Carolina not to take a bad loss, but um, they might get in anyway, even if they do. I think, yeah. Uh, Miami in no matter what, yes or no? Yeah, interesting. I think Miami, Wake Forest, it's definitely an elimination game for Wake Forest if it happens. Uh, it might be an elimination game for Miami as well. Uh, but yeah, those, those two are definitely... Uh, skirting trouble wake forest just needs to beat somebody you know they've got a couple of decent home wins but you know they need to show that they can play away from home wake forest has a absolute must win against boston college on wednesday if you're watching live on youtube continue to comment like smash the whole deal we got palm here and then um since we're talking bubble acc virginia tech need to make the acc tournament game at minimum championship game excuse me at minimum to uh to get in that combo uh jerry Uh, i don't I'm not even thinking about Virginia Tech. I don't have them on my bubble. Uh, just, I mean, you just went Don Draper on the Hokies. I don't even think about you. No, no, I, but like, but I, remember for, on a on a recent podcast, I I said I don't understand why some people have them as close to the bubble I, as they do because their resume is because, because of the, because of their net well. ranking, Gary. It's, yeah, you know, people look at the net and they just they take that as gospel, and it's it's not. You know, it's 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 when you're if you're looking at the heavily uh, the the rankings that are heavily influenced by margin of victory, like Ken Palm and Sagarin and the net, and that's all you're going on when you've the committee's a results based process. Margin of victory doesn't really mean that much to them. Right. So if you're basing everything on those rankings, you you're going to probably be disappointed because if, when the committee's looking at a resume, and then they're looking at the at these metrics, and the metrics don't match the resume, they don't question the resume. They question the metrics. Why are these different? What are we missing here? Well, the answer is almost always margin of victory because, you know, the the resume isn't really showing you. I mean, they'll show you the score, but they, they don't really care that much about margin of victory. They just want to see who you beat and who beat you. Um, but the metrics are, are, you know, especially those three and I guess BPI as well are really heavily influenced by margin of victory or you know, they'll they'll call it net efficiency, which is margin of victory measured by points per possession instead of points per game. Well, this right. is why, um, and I heard you make this point on CBS Sports HQ, Houston might end up with a seed lower than its net ranking. Yeah, yeah. And, they might have a higher next to their name, higher number next to their name in the bracket than they do in the in the net. Um, and that's, you know, they're they're the number five team in the net as of this morning. I believe it's still number five, but their best win and their only win over a team that might make the bracket is the home win over SMU. They've got a. They had a quad one win. I think Oklahoma State's probably still quad one, uh, neutral. I think that was neutral. No, that was at Oklahoma State. 
So that's a quad one win, but Oklahoma State's not a tournament team. Even if they were eligible, they would not be a tournament team. And then they beat Oregon, um, and they've got a bunch of quad two wins, and they have nothing even remotely resembling a bad loss, which is why they're still a top half of the bracket team. But there's nothing on Houston's resume that says this is one of the five best teams in the country. But the, the, the margin of victory metrics in particular love them. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go big picture here. I want to. I want to ask you if you if you could see this situation playing out because on we we went on HU together on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely appearance. Gosh, that you're just emanating energy in that studio, Jerry. <laughs> emanating it. Okay, you said Gonzaga, pretty much going to be the number one overall seed. My question for you and for the again, this is for the audience purposes because I know fans think about this. Right now, Baylor. Yes or no, Baylor is a lock as a one seed, no matter what happens. No. Not a lock. Okay, so with that in mind, if Baylor were to get three more quad one wins and have 14 quad one wins to Gonzaga's 10, you're saying it's not possible at all that Baylor could leapfrog Gonzaga for the number one overall seed if it won the Big 12 tournament and got three quad one wins in the process. I I don't think so. No, I think it's still got to be Gonzaga. Okay, and your reasoning for that would be? The way they dominated this season. And, and, and Gonzaga has three losses compared to would the loss would it be, total would it be six for Baylor? Then? I haven't got it in front of would me. Be, I think no, it's with Baylor, it would be five. Five. Okay. So you're talking five. about winning the winning win the, the Big 12 vote. tournament and then beat Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Kansas for three yeah. more quad one wins. Right, Kansas, yeah. obviously, in the conference. Pretty good win. I'm just wondering. I can I can see a situation where the committee might do it also because Gonzaga didn't play one road game in non-conference, and if they're trying to truly split things, Baylor's going to have better road neutrals than Gonzaga overall. I yeah, could, that's true. I think I think that might be the only way that that could happen. But I w- I wouldn't think any other team could possibly leapfrog Gonzaga for number one overall. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, the the I mean the way I look at it, there's six, maybe seven teams that can be a one. The SEC champion, if it's Auburn or Kentucky, is a one. Um, the Big 12 champion, if it's Baylor or Kansas, is a one. And it's possible the other one could be a one if they play each other. Uh, the best case scenario for that is Kansas beating Baylor for the title. They can still both be ones. Arizona, um, Gonzaga, of course. And and if there's abject chaos in these major conference tournaments and Purdue wins the Big Ten beating Wisconsin and Illinois, maybe they could crawl onto the top of the bracket. But I wouldn't bet on it. That, that's it. That's the entire list of teams that could be one seeds. Elsewhere in the West Coast Conference, um, Gonzaga, I, I'm with you, locked up the one overall seed, I believe. Um, how comfortable would you feel if you're a BYU fan? Not very. You know, I think BYU fans in general like to think that they're generally like loving people. They're hating everybody right now. They're, they're hating Michigan. They're hating Rutgers. They're hating Indiana, Florida, Wake Forest. Anybody who could steal their spot in the bracket, uh, they're sitting on their couches this week and rooting against them. Um, yeah, it's not a comfortable position to be in when all of these other teams are getting games that can help them move past you in the bracket and possibly knock you out. Uh, and then, I mean, the A-10 is also something that could work against them because I think Davidson, if they don't take a bad loss, is going to be an at-large team if they don't win the conference. But if they do win the conference, they're probably the only team that gets in. Can we talk Xavier real quick here? So Xavier's yes. play. I'm, I'm actually rocking uh, my Project 44. Rest in peace, Andrew Smith. My but- butler hasn't been too good this season, but they do play uh, today against Xavier. Jerry, if Xavier loses this game, 
come on, man. Like it's a very nervous selection Sunday dude, for Xavier. I if I'm a Xavier, I don't now I don't think they're losing to Butler. If they either. lose this game at 18 and 13 with what that with what that resume is, can you just if anyone's listening to this and obviously not watching on YouTube, can you just hey, roll dude. down roll down the uh, what the resume would be and how much danger they would be in it, again if a loss against Butler were to happen on Wednesday? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I, Xavier's best case scenario in if they lose to Butler is they're probably driving up the road to Dayton. Uh, it's they have it, the fact that they've lost. They lost seven out of eight before they beat Georgetown to end the regular season. And and what's kind of funny about that for me is I was at the game they won. Um, but they uh they've done a lot of damage to their resume over that that stretch of time. They're fortunate that they did away with the how are you playing lately part of the criteria 15 years ago, because that would just compound this problem. Uh and they're also lucky that they're in the big east, so it's not a lot of bad losses there, but man, that's 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 doing a lot of damage uh, to your record, your resume, you know, all of the other aggregate type numbers in there are really working against Xavier if they lose to Butler today um, that they could still make it. But uh, it's yeah, they'll be sitting there with BYU on the couches rooting up against all these other teams. What what percentage of fans who tweet you understand that how you've been playing lately doesn't really matter anymore? Zero. <laughs> Maybe less. It, yeah. It's, it, and not only that, it's like every radio interview I'm on, every email I get from a writer, I, that thing has been gone for almost 15 years, that part nice. of it. But nobody remembers that they did away with it. And they and a lot of people probably still think it should matter. So, yeah, it's, that's hard. That's been hard to beat out of people's consciousness um, that that really isn't a thing anymore. Rutgers fans are um, thoroughly confused, but they haven't had to deal with the NCAA <laughs> tournament much. So. They just cut them a break. Sniping. Left and right. <laughs> Left and right. Uh, all right. At large resume that you just find to be the most fascinating. Is it Rutgers and no close oh, seconds? Yeah, totally. Rutgers. Yeah. Let's it's, just let's just talk Rutgers here because this this resume is incredible. I'm not even convinced that one more win gets Rutgers in because of how poorly it is across Jerry, as yeah. we speak this morning. As we speak this morning, this is Rutgers in the six team sheet metrics. Okay. Dude, this is unbelievable. 76 in net, 57 KPI, 49 strength of record, the two results based purely. And then the right. predictives, uh, they're 59 at Sagarin, 69 BPI, 73 Ken Palm. And again, their net is 76. Are you are you even 100% confident if that Rutgers beats Iowa that it will 100% be in in that situation? That would be another good win, but how much would one win over Iowa even boost those numbers overall? Lay out uh, why. Well, I don't know how much they're going to boost those numbers because in particular for the margin of victory numbers, it matters how badly they beat them. Yeah. Um, but I think what beating Iowa does is it's a, it's a quality win away from home. And that's one of the problems is that they won at Wisconsin and ended up splitting home and home a road and road with them. Um, so, but in general away from home, they haven't been very good. And so if they get a win over Iowa now on a neutral floor, that does more for them than if they had just beaten them at home. So I don't know that Rutgers is in for sure if they beat Iowa, uh, but I have a feeling they are out for sure if they don't beat Iowa. It's hard to argue against it. We mentioned that on our Big Ten preview podcast. You people in the comments, we see what you want us to ask Jerry. We'll get to that at the very end of of this little interview. I will ask him if if Gary won't, and I know Parrish will ask him. What do you got, (laughs) Jerry? Jerry, Memphis fans, every day asking me to ask you something. So let's, <laughs> let's get to that. 
If Memphis loses its quarterfinal game in the AAC tournament, are they still in the bracket? I don't know, man. That that'd be tough because that's another bad loss. I mean, this you know this is a team that did some serious damage to its resume before it got hot here late in the season, right? Um, other than you know not being able to beat SMU, you know they've been great here down the stretch of this season. Beat Houston twice, uh, and part of the argument that Memphis people make is, well, you know, we weren't really healthy uh, up until lately, you know, and and you know they were playing Amani Bates too much, and then yeah, so. Penny finally figured out the rotation that works and they've been playing really well. Well, then if you lose to UCF, all of those arguments go out the window, right? If you lose to SMU again, well, fine. Um, if you, maybe that's a matchup problem or if you lose to Houston, well, fine. But if you lose your quarterfinal game, all whatever excuses you think you have are completely gone. So you definitely have to win that game. Do they have to beat SMU if they play SMU in the semifinals? I think it's a more important game for SMU. I don't know if they necessarily have to beat SMU. It'll depend on what other teams do, but I think it's a more important game for SMU. Team outside your field right now that you just, you know, regardless of how you think the committee will uh, do this, just when you evaluate college basketball and you see what these teams have been like, what team outside your your cut line do you think, yeah, you know what, that's got the they've got the best chance of actually being in the field when we get to selection Sunday? Ooh, best chance of actually being in. Yeah. Who do you think will play their way in? I guess I would say Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um because of the opportunity to get to play Miami, you know, right away and a team that they're essentially competing with at the bottom of the bracket. I don't have any faith in Indiana, although I, I think talent wise, Indiana is capable uh, of, of at least beating Michigan. I don't think that's enough to get them in. I think they'd have to beat Illinois too. And, and I think that's a problem for Indiana. Um, you know, VCU probably would have to get at least two Davidson uh, to have a shot, but, might also have to beat Davidson to have a shot. So uh, maybe VCU, because they're probably capable of winning that conference tournament. Uh, but also Wake Forest. The the problem is if Wake Forest actually has to beat Duke. Yeah. I don't know. They oh. gave him a good game at, at Cameron. They almost did it, but it almost is not going to help him this time. You mentioned Michigan. I want to touch on that real quick here. Um, Michigan right now is 17 and 13. Uh, I think you got this off the top of your, uh, your dome here, Jerry. Um, I almost keep calling you Gary, by the way. Jerry and Gary. Is- <laughs> you know what? This is actually I a get problem. called worse than that all the time, Matt. You, you know, you wouldn't tell you this is a problem. When Jerry and I are on CBS Sports HQ <laughs> together, <laughs> and the host will be like, so we'll start with you, Jerry. And I'm like, did he say Gary or Jerry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'll come to you first, Gary. Did he say we, Gary we or Jerry? Need, we almost need like the bozo uh, arrows on us so that we know which of this is speaking. I almost, I almost like sent a note and said, hey, when it's Jerry and I, can you call, can you say Palm and Parish? I'll start with you, Parish. I'll start with you, Palm. Because yeah. Gary and Jerry, you know how it is, Norlander. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like, the, the, uh, like this is Chris Hassel, right? Yeah. And Chris is, um, you know, he's talking and he's going to ask a question. And it's like, so has Gonzaga locked up the number one overall seed. We'll start with you, Gary. And I'm like, did he say Gary or Jerry? Yeah. Should I talk or not? Yeah, right. <laughs> it gets a little mixed up. They, they could call me JP. My whole dad, my dad is also Jerry. So that whole side of the family calls me JP. And my dad, my dad is also Gary. Yeah. You're Jerry Palm Jr.? No, I'm not Jr. I got a different middle name, but. Uh, but um, you're Jerry. But, but my dad is also Jerry. But, but if you have a different middle name, you're not a junior? That's right. But do you have a different middle name? No, I think you're a junior. If you have the same name, he's Gary Paris Jr. I'm Gary Paris Jr. But I, but I, but my father and I have the same middle name, Turner. Uh, But I feel like I feel like. Well, why would you go? Why would you just change middle names if you're not going to change first names? I don't know. 
I'm glad they did. My dad's middle name is Lyle. I don't think I'd want that one. Okay. Lyle Palm. Yeah. Lyle Palm. What if my dad's Lyle 80. Palm. That was probably a more popular name back then, you know? <laughs> what if our bracketology expert was, look at a CBS Sports bracketology <laughs> expert, Lyle Palm. <laughs> yeah. This episode is everything I wanted it to be and more. Okay. Michigan is 17 and 13. If it were to lose to Indiana, it would be 17 and 14. Jerry, how many teams in history have gotten at large bids with three wins or fewer above 500? Uh, Pre pandemic, one, Georgia in 2001, uh, who uh, was 16 and 14 and played 27 of their 30 games in what we would now call quad one and two. Insane. 27 of 30. Okay. I mean, that in mind, Michigan, a loss to Indiana can easily. In the pandemic year, we had, I think, three. I mean, might like Maryland, Rutgers, uh, Michigan State were all, but you you had teams not playing as many non conference games. You had unreliable rankings that year because of the lack of non conference games and some teams not playing any non conference games. So for trends and things like that, you really can't count last year at all. Um, And in fact, this is the first year because after the uh, in 2019, they introduced the net. So that was the first year of the net. And then we had 2020 and then they had tweaked the net for that yeah. year. They had taken away the the kind of stupid three uh, uh, components of it that didn't really do anything. So they tweaked it a little bit in 2020, but we didn't get a bracket then. We had a full season and no bracket. Last year we had not quite a full season, but a bracket. So this is the first time in three years that we're going to learn something about what the committee thinks. And the committee has almost entirely turned over in that period of time. So we're flying a little blind when it comes to things like trends, but you know, when one team in since 1994, so that's like 26 tournaments gets an at large bid that was, you know, less than four games above 500 or fewer, uh, then that's a trend you, you can tend to roll with. And not that this is a super strict threshold, but if Michigan were to beat Indiana, it'd be 18 and 13. Let's say it loses to Illinois. It's then 18 and 14 is, does that number uh, bloat in pre pandemic four games above 500? Is that, you a know, much actually we've had 19 and 15, a couple of those. Mm-hmm. So no, that, um, that, that would not be a record, but it's uh, right. But, but we've had a few, we've had four. Yeah. We've, five had, of those. Yeah, okay. we've had four games, four are. games above 500 is not, I mean, there haven't been a zillion of them, but it's, you know, enough that you, you don't think of it as something that eliminates you necessarily. Um, but, you know, the other thing is this is a trend. It's not criteria. The committee doesn't sit around and say, oh, well, there are only three games above 500. We got to leave them out, you yeah. know, but but when they leave out all but one of the teams so for, for 26 years, then you think that that's something that they might find uh, uncomfortable. Jerry, my prediction is that Murray State's going to land on the seven line. I think you have them as an eight in your most yeah. recent bracket. Why are you not willing to go with a 30-2 and two team as high as a, as a seven line when their strength of record uh, would indicate that actually be on a five line? I don't look at strength of record or treat it as something that you seed by. Okay. So the metrics don't make decisions like that. Okay. Um, but their strength of schedule is really poor, and it's it's hard to justify much higher than the middle of the bracket. And it's, that's not their fault. I mean, you know, their league is, you know, they've got Belmont and Moorhead and then all quad four teams in their league. So it's it's a bloated quad four schedule, but they don't have wins better than Belmont or Moorhead either. So and a lost East Tennessee State, I think it's hard to justify much higher than an eight. But if the committee goes seven, well, I'll be, uh, first of all, happy for them. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, a team I think that can do some damage as a seven or a 10 seed, you know, in that part of the bracket. 
more better or better able to do so than in an eight nine game. That feels like the type of situation, uh, slightly not quite as uh, dramatic as Loyola Chicago last season, Agreed but it, it feels like Murray State gets an eight and the one C goes. What are you doing to us? Why are you putting <laughs> us up with this team in the second round? It, it feels like we're headed maybe toward that path, which is why, and I think I made this argument last season, um, make them a seven. Like, get them away from the one seed in the second round because um, you know, you're just creating – um, a, a, a conversation that maybe doesn't need to be created. I'm not talking about Jerry. Okay, but the committee doesn't it. really think that way. They discuss the relative value of these teams and how good they think they are based on all whatever their criteria. And some of it is subjectivity. But when they're down there, you know, like seven versus eight or whatever, they just vote them into the bracket. You're number 29 right. or you're number 30. Right. Now they'll go and seed scrub later, uh, you know, and, and maybe revisit some of these things. But I don't think keeping a team away from a one is ever part of the discussion. It's just, who do we think is actually better? I got you. Um, uh, the other 31 team just got into the tournament on Tuesday night. South Dakota state is 30 and four. Where do you have the Jackrabbit seated? Cause that's smells like a 12 to me, Jerry. Yeah, I got a 12. I'm pretty sure I've got him as a 12 and that's a team that if I'm a five, I want nothing to do with man. That team is good. They're, I think they're the best shooting team. They are in division one. They are. Yeah, you're gonna have to defend the heck out of that team, and and yeah, that that's a that's a, that team is a is gonna be a real difficult team to eliminate. And I I would not be pleased at all if I was a five and and South Dakota State's my first round game. Yeah, that's gonna be your 80% of people pick the twelve over the five. They're yeah. jackrabbits for crying out loud, yeah. and they have Ukraine colors. Everything's yeah. lining up perfectly. <laughs> I'd also watch out for North Texas. You know, if yeah. they get there. You know, that's a, that's a team. They won a game in the tournament last year. They beat Purdue. Not that I'm bitter, but I'm bitter. <laughs> okay. um, and they, uh, they'll they be back in, in, if they win the Conference USA tournament and capable of doing that again. Jerry, you are a, a Purdue grad. In fact, every time we do a Purdue game in the top in the uh, final four and one, I name Mackie Arena after you. It's Jerry Paul Marina. <laughs> um, you, it's an honor I don't deserve, but thank you. Jer- Jerry Paul. Is Purdue in the Final Four for the first time since 1980 or not? Mm, if they're hitting their three-point shots, yes. I'm really concerned. I mean, the defense is a problem. So their offense has got to be good enough to overcome it. And lately, they haven't been getting good enough production off the bench. Uh, and that even includes Travion Williams, you know, it's who's been – has been looking to pass more than he's looking to score. It's like he's fallen in love with being a point guard. Everybody tells him how great his passing is, and it is. Um, but he needs to look to score more. But guys like Caleb First and Isaiah Thompson, who've been coming off the bench and, and hitting threes and, and really being productive offensively, have not been doing that as much and haven't even really been looking for shots on the perimeter. Isaiah Thompson, I think, had 18 at Iowa. And that's the last time Purdue's offense really looked sharp. Um, but since then, I don't think he's got 18 points total. So they're going to need to hit shots from the outside to, so that their offense can overcome their defense. Uh, one more hoop question for me, and then we got a different kind of question for you, Paul. It's coming for you. Uh, okay. We have had a couple of uh, the closest. Um, Let me get my vest on. The closest ridiculous resume to Rutgers might be Dayton. A couple of people want to know if Dayton yeah. makes the attend final. You think they got any shot? No, not really. I, but it's because I don't think they can be good enough teams in the in the A10 to to okay. add to their resume. There's only one quad one win in the A10, and it's, it's Davidson. Yeah, it's Davidson. So by the time they get to 
Now, I don't know which. Uh, what's Dayton seed? I think I think it sets up where that would be the title they game. Couldn't, they couldn't. Yeah, that would be the PC. title game, right? Yeah. So PCU is a quad one. Yeah. So by the time they get enough wins, they've they've probably won the. If they hadn't lost to LaSalle, I think we'd had this would be a more interesting conversation. Um, but when you they started playing those quad four losses from you know Thanksgiving week off off of the radar a little bit. I mean, they're never gone, right? They're always there. But they had been starting to do enough to make people say, all right, well, maybe that's not so bad. And then they go and lose to LaSalle. And and now, I mean, while that's not a quad four loss, it brings all of that back into play. You're still capable of that. Ask him the question, Parrish. Dead okay, like ask I, me the question. Dead like I was going to let you. Now, why don't you ask? It doesn't really matter. Okay, I'll ask the question. What's your position on premarital sex? Are you for it or against it? Ooh. <laughs> why am I getting that question? Why would you not? It's the High on College Basketball podcast. The We've only got like 15 know. people in the comments. I, I, ask us I, ask I am not against it. Although, right. I, although I've got kids that are, you know, 18, 16, you know, I'm, I'm against go. it for them <laughs> at the moment. But uh, no, I would say I'm not against it. There's more of us than there are of them. There's more of us than there are of them. I've been telling you. Hey, by the way, Paris has got to get out of here pretty quick. GP, I'm just letting you know right now, be snow's careful, coming heavy time. in uh, where Jerry and I are. <laughs> Jerry's right, by the way. Just be careful. Be careful. I think that, we course. agree with that. Be careful. Of course. Of course. But now, for the record, again, Ion College Basketball exclusive. Jerry Palm, friend of the program with the show. Pro premarital sex. Just be <laughs> careful with it. Paris There's more of us than there are of them. He says he's got a fly out of Memphis up to here. If Palm looks behind him out that window, what do you see, Jerry? Snow. That's right. I'm in Connecticut. It's snowing. Parrish, people I don't are know freaking out. It's like time. we might get two inches of snow, but people are freaking out. It's snowing in North New York right now? Yes. Yeah, oh, Jeez, I'm in Connecticut. Like I don't know next, about New York. It's going to be snowing for like the next six, seven hours here. So I'm just saying, like, I know you got to go, GP. I don't know if that flight's taking off on time. I'm We're just letting you know right now. I'm trying to. I've never taken it's this. It's not snowing that bad. Yeah, yeah but if it's snow, like I got a snowflake in the forecast until eight o'clock. I don't know if he's gonna land. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to do a live radio show at four central, five eastern. I land at three eastern. <laughs> Trouble, dude. Oh <laughs> no, that's not happening. Oh I mean, no. This isn't exactly a blizzard or anything. We don't have like warnings and school closings or anything yeah. like that. They should get an early this dismissal. little bit of snow. It's New York yeah. for crying out loud. Here in like two hours. I'm just saying. Just letting you know. All right, yeah. we'll do our best. We'll do our best. Well, safe travels, Gary. Thank I you, Jerry Palm. Thank you, Lyle Palm. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Dale Bonner. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five-star reviews at both. At Apple, I need you to write nice words. There's more of us. Then there are of them. You're not subscribed to the YouTube channel. Knock that out. We will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. What's up, y'all? 
This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.